Well, we are just glad that you're here today. It's a tremendous time of worship, and we're just so glad that you are here. We are smack dab in the middle of a series that we've entitled The Pursuit of Happiness. And that really ties in, too, because what really makes us happy are not the things that we can buy, but things that are gifts from God. And, and the scripture's been uh, entitled uh, different ones, but it deals with this, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a time when Jesus Christ, very early in his, his ministry, you know, people were coming to him because he'd healed a few folks, you know. And, and he's got the, like the 12 boys here, but then he's got this huge crowd around him, and he just begins sharing the philosophy of his teachings. And I'm telling you what, it's been difficult for this old preacher to preach it. Because every time, I mean, I mean, literally every time I'm preaching this, I'm going, oh, God, that's me. That's a need I have. That's a shortcoming that I have. And today was absolutely no different. But, but imagine, if you will, this Jewish carpenter rabbi sitting on the, on the hillside, and he starts saying things like, blessed are, blessed are, and, and this and that. And these are teachings that people have never heard before. And so the, you know, the first week we talked about that, that really it all begins with relationship. It begins with a relationship with God. If you really want to be happy in life, you've got to have a relationship with God. It has nothing to do with, when I say that, it has nothing to do with church. It has nothing to do with being baptized or what habits you have or don't have. It has to do with acknowledging the fact that you sinned against God and all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And that, that through Jesus Christ and through the cross, we can have forgiveness of that sin. So the, the pursuit begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ and with God his Father. And then Brent preached on salt and light. And that was all about purpose. You know, people in life who have purpose are the happiness. And God comes along. Jesus comes along and says, listen, all you guys out there, I know you just, got, you, you just heard about me. You've seen a few miracles. But I'm telling you, follow me and you will be salt. You'll add influence in this world. You'll, you'll add preservation in this world. Be light and bring light into the darkness. You have purpose if you'll follow me. And then, then we talked about righteousness. And, and, we, and we learned that, that the, the, like the Jewish people looked at the scribes and Pharisees, and they were like way righteous. I mean, they kept all the rules and all the laws. And then Jesus came along and said, you know what? If you're going to make it to heaven, your righteousness has got to exceed theirs. It'd be kind of like us going, you know, y'all, y'all know Billy Graham, the name Billy Graham. It's like Jesus saying, you know, if you want to make it to heaven, you've got to be more righteous than, than, than Billy Graham. I mean, I mean, you know, Jesus, Jesus was a way hand standard, and, and, and Billy Graham's got more righteousness than his little finger than I do all over my whole body, and you kind of go, well, how am I going to make it then? And there it is. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible says, but he, God, made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin on the cross. He paid the price for our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Basically, it happens like this. Jesus said on October 26, 1975 to me, He said, Dwayne, if you'll give me your sin, I will give you my righteousness. So you look at one righteous brother, but not because I did anything, but because Jesus did everything. Everything. And then we talked about, he said, but not only that, you've got to do it practically. You've got to live it out. And the Pharisees did a great job of the letter of the law, the letter of the law, the letter of the law. But they did not go beyond the letter to the intent of the law. And, you know, Jesus talked about, you know, you know, you heard you shouldn't murder, but if you're angry, your brother, then you're in danger of judgment. And so he told us 
again, that, that not only do we have this righteousness positionally in Jesus, but we're supposed to do this stuff. That, that what this book says, we're supposed to do. Now, now, not to keep the rules. The Bible's not a big old rule book that, that makes people better than others or anything. The Bible's a way of life. It teaches a way of life. And, and a big chunk of that is the teachings of Jesus Christ. So, today, as I begin prayer, preparing, I, I'm trying to cram all this Sermon on the Mount, like in two, you know, like five messages, and you can't do that. So your sermon sheet's a little bit inaccurate today. That's why there's no video, because I changed things around today. But it seemed like this, that Jesus was saying, you know, not only do you have to have a relationship, okay, we got that, and, and not only do you have a purpose, we, we got that, Jesus, and, and not only does my righteousness have to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, we got that, Jesus, but he says there's a right and a wrong way to do righteousness. There's a right and a wrong way to do righteousness. And so what he wants to talk to us about today, and that's why I had to rearrange the sermon to make this work so well, because it's it's clear what he intended. He said, when you do your stuff, your right living, your righteousness, you've got to do it the right way. So take your Bibles and turn to Matthew and chapter 6, and we're going to look at wrong righteousness. Wrong righteousness. And we're looking for happiness. We've got to do righteousness right. Okay? So here we go. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 1. Jesus says these words. Now, who says these words? Okay, good. All right. Jesus says, be careful. Now, wait, time out. You know, if if it's icy outside and one of our senior adults are fixed to go outside, I'll say, be careful. And and Blake, when you guys left for Evansville, yesterday you went to Evansville, day before yesterday, whenever it was you went, and I said, be careful, drive careful. Oh, it was the movie yesterday. The last thing I said to them was, be careful, okay? So whenever someone says, be careful, then that means attention, attention, okay? So Jesus is saying, now be careful, and here's what he says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people. Oh, oh, I've got that down, preacher. I've got it down. Yeah, I don't ever act righteous in front of people. I want you to know, there's an old story about a kid who got saved. And so he was going to go to work at a logging camp over the summer. And the preacher was really worried because it was, this logging camp had a reputation of being really raunchy, hard men. So he, he sends this boy off to work for the, for the summer. And, you know, he's worried about it. He's praying for him. And so finally in the fall, the kid came back. And, and the preacher goes, well, how did you do? He goes, well, I did fine. He goes, well, didn't they, like, ride you hard because you're a Christian? And the guy said, oh, no, preacher, they never knew. You know, so some of us, you know, some of us, you know, and Rod Wallace brought this out in our, our lesson today. You know, the people we hang with, the people we do life with, do they know we're believers? But Jesus says, do not, do not, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people. To be seen by them. Jesus says, You've got to do this righteous thing. You've got to do right living. If you're going to be a follower of mine, okay, it's just a natural consequence that you do the right living thing. But when you do it, don't flaunt it in front of people so they notice you. Whatever you do as a follower of Jesus Christ in that big universe of yours, do not do it so people look at you and go, dude, he's spiritual. 
It's so important we watch our motivation that whatever we do, that we do right. Now, what we're going to talk about today is three areas. We're going to talk about giving, specifically to the poor. Jesus talks about prayer. And then he talks about something that we have no clue about as Baptists because we love to eat. And that's fasting. That's fasting. So Jesus says, be careful not to do your righteousness in front of men, okay, to gain their approval. Watch this. Otherwise, if you do, now listen, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So Jesus says if you do this righteous thing, if you do the church world, if church attendance and giving and serving and teaching and preaching and leading worship and singing in the choir, out in the community doing your Jesus things, If you do those, and the purpose of doing them is so people will go, yay, for you, you'll get no reward in heaven. Oh. See, what Jesus is saying this. If you want this from men, then you will not get a reward from your Father in heaven. That if you want God to reward you up there, you've got to be willing to deny yourself the reward here. He says, when you do your Jesus thing, you basically got to do this. You've got to make a big deal of Jesus, a little deal of you, and even less deal of what you do. Have you all seen the... the Nationwide is on your side commercial. And have you sat at the table with Carl? And it's time to wow Carl. And Carl goes, what's this vanishing deductible about? And he gets on the little blue phone and says, it's time to wow Carl. He says, suppose your deductible is $500. And you don't have an accident. It goes down to 400 and 300 And slowly, the dude with the blue phone disappears. Until finally, the phone falls and Carl goes, Wow! That's awesome. We are supposed to have a vanishing deductible when it comes to doing our Jesus stuff. That when people see us, they don't see us at all. All they see is Jesus Christ. All they see is a man or a woman fully sold out and devoted to Jesus who says it's all about Him. It's not about me. It's not about me. Now listen, listen. Have you ever gone to a church before? And there's plaques everywhere. Yeah. There's even plaques on toilets. This toilet was given in honor of. This pew was given. This table was given. This spoon was given. Somehow, and if you've got a plaque somewhere, don't take it personal. I'm just saying that we've got to be careful because when we do that, when we get the applause of man, Jesus says, no applause in heaven. And then he gives us this incredible demonstration. And here's what he says. He says, so whenever. Now, you're going to hear this phrase over and over again. Three times you're going to hear this, so whenever. Notice it's not if. He, he did not say, if you give to the poor. It's when you give to the poor. Because one of the righteous things that believers in Jesus does, that we do, is giving to people. We are supposed to be a generous people. Amen. Come on, Jesus was generous. We're to be generous in the same way. As a church, we're to be a generous church. It's so important that we give away, give away, 
give away so it's honoring to God. That's incredibly important. So he doesn't say if you give. He says whenever you give. Jesus assumed his followers would have the same generous heart that he does. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the, here's the H word. This is the world's favorite word when talking about the church. When, or as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. I assure you that they have their reward. Now, here's the deal. Okay? The scribes and the Pharisees, they gave to poor people. But why did they give to poor people? It wasn't because they had a great burden for the poor. Do you remember when the lady broke the vase and anointed the feet of Jesus? And Judas Iscariot, the guy who had later betrayed him, who was the treasurer of the twelve, said, very spiritually, And why wasn't this ointment sold and all the money given to the poor? And Luke said, don't kid yourself. He wasn't worried about the poor. He had his hand in the bag. So, so Jesus is saying this. The scribes and Pharisees, oh yes, they gave to the poor, but the reason they gave was so that they got this. Would you all please break into applause? And Jesus is saying, as they did that, with much fanfare, literally, I read in one commentary that they would make sure that they had small coinage. And the trumpet probably refers to the offering receptacles that were made of bronze. That they would make sure they had lots of small coinage so that when they gave their offering to the poor and dumped it in the receptacle, all you heard was clink, 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 clink. Everybody go, wow. And they all broke into applause. Yay! Everybody applause. Come on, yay! Here's what Jesus said. I promise you, that's the reward. That's the reward. As they gave, good job. Great. Boy, look at that generosity. Isn't that great? Just know that's all there is. You can't have it both ways. Either you're going to have, as a believer, either you're going to have the applause of man or the applause of heaven. But you can't have it both ways. Well, Dwayne, what should we do? Oh, well, he he tells us. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus says, as you do righteousness concerning service and sacrifice and giving and all those things, make it as if your left hand did not know what your right hand was doing. And just do it in secret. And watch this. When you do that, there's going to be applause. But it will not be from 300 people. It will be the angels of heaven breaking into applause. And you have then the choice of temporal praise here. Bravo! Bravo, or the eternal praise and reward of heaven. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what that means where it says, and God will reward you. 
I know what that means. But God's never done anything bad yet. Come on. God's not done anything bad yet. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. So, so he says, so he says, in your giving, when you give to the poor, don't do it like the, the scribes and Pharisees. Be sure and do it in secret, and your Father will reward you openly in heaven. When you do your Jesus thing, do it in secret. Do it in secret. All right, now, the next one was the one I changed. The reason I wasn't going to touch on prayer was not that I don't like prayer, but we've taught this several times. But to be true to what Jesus was trying to say when he said your righteousness has got to exceed, talking about positionally and practically, and when he's talking about don't be, don't, don't do your righteousness before men, one of the tenets of the Jewish faith was this almsgiving, and the other was prayer. So here's what he says about prayer. When, and by the way, does he say if? Anybody here not need to pray? I mean, Jesus prayed, Peter prayed, we probably ought to pray. Amen? All right, here we go. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to stand, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you, they've got the reward. And literally, I know, this is foreign to you, because if I were to call on some of you this morning and say, would you please pray in public, you'd go, Pray in public. But these guys did it well. I mean, in today's language, it'd be something like this. Brother, would you lead us in prayer? You get the deeper voice. Oh, God of the universe, the creator of all. And 15 minutes later, you heard, Amen. Something like that. The Pharisees would stand on the street corners Fain praying. And people would just go by and go, Whoa! Boy, did you hear the words he used? Did you sense the deepness of the voice? Did you sense the passion for which he prayed? Wow! So, wow! And they would all... They would applaud! That's exactly right! They'd all go, I have never heard a more powerful prayer. Incredible. Incredible. Dad, did you hear when that deacon prayed? Did you hear when the preacher prayed? Wow, how incredible. Jesus says when you pray, you must not be like that. Well, Dwayne, how should we pray? Well, Jesus so incredibly gives us exactly what we should do. Watch this. But when you pray, go into your private room, as in not a street corner. Now, by the way, time out. This is not... Jesus saying, you can't pray publicly. He's saying it shouldn't be a show when you do. But when you want to pray, go to your private room and you shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you want to talk to God, make sure you get in your quiet place. And when you get in your quiet place, the Father, God's going to reward you. And you know what I think? I shared this with you about three or four or five months ago. Brent, I don't think the reward is as much answered prayer. You don't think it is? It's intimacy. It's knowing that it's you and God one-on-one. It's just you and God sharing your heart to His and Him sharing His heart 
to you. What a powerful reward that is. You, if you look at marriages, you should admire the ones where there's obvious intimacy between the husband and the wife. When you see children and parents, when there's an intimacy between the dad and the son or the mom and the daughter or the son and the mother. And Jesus says, when you pray, be intimate with God. Get alone in your room. And then he says this. And when you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. And he's saying, listen, it's not how long you pray. It's not the big words that you use. It's not the tenor of your voice that matters. What matters? It's your heart. God is not pressed with your deep voice. God is not impressed with your big old fancy spiritual words. But God loves your authenticity. God loves it when you fall before Him in prayer and say, God, I messed up again. And God, I can't do this. Will you help me? And the Father saying, I've been waiting for you to say that a long time, that you need me. It's not, it's not... How long, how many, how fancy is just your heart? Don't babble like the idolaters. Vain repetitions over and over the same words. He said, no. In fact, you need to know something. He says, my Father in heaven knows the things you need before you ask. Isn't that incredible? He already knows that your aunt has cancer. He already knows that your child's struggling in school. He already knows you need a job. He wants to spend time with you and you saying, God, I love you and I trust you. And God, you know that my aunt has cancer and I'm going to trust you with that. I Ask in Jesus' name within your will to heal her. And if not, I'm still going to trust you, God. God, you know my child is struggling. I'm concerned for my child. God, would you please have your way in their life? But God, I know I trust you because you are my father and his or her father. Intimacy. A heart for prayer. And in case we didn't get it, then Jesus goes, I'm going to give you a sample prayer. Now, there is no, this is not a road prayer that there's special power. If you pray it, things happen. Jesus said, here's an example of how you should pray. First off, he says this. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Go, King James. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is that? It's worship. Jesus says, when you pray, you should worship. Jesus says when you come down in your room and you start praying, the first thing you ought to do is just say, God, you're awesome. Say, God, you're awesome. I mean, God, you're incredible. And he is. Amen. He's incredible. Jesus, Jesus, I praise you for the cross. Because without your sacrificial death, I would feel the flames of hell. Without the, your sacrificial death, I would never have a relationship with your father. Without your sacrificial death, I would be facing the trials of life by myself. Jesus says, spend some time in worship. Tell God how, in- <laughs> Tell God how incredible He is 
and less time telling God how incredible you are. <laughs> Come on, amen. Y'all, we do that sometimes. God, you're so blessed I'm on your team. Oh, really? He's saying. Oh, really? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Worship. And then he says something else. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Submission. Worship and submission. When you get in that room by yourself and you're praising God, then say it like this. Hey, God, Father, it's your deal over mine. God, it's really not my will that matters here. It is your will. In fact, what I'm praying, God, is that what you want done in heaven, I want done on earth. And do we not get it backwards? Do we not say, God, I want what I want on earth done in heaven? Do we not spend our prayer time telling God what we want? And did Jesus not so clearly say in this wonderful scripture called the Lord's Prayer that it's the other way around? Your will be done. In heaven and on earth, it's incredibly important, folks. It's, it's, we've got to reach a point of submission that, God, you're the boss. God, you're the creator, and I am not. I am the created. And God is not what I want. It is what you want. Submission. And then he says, and give us today our daily bread. Dependence. Are y'all writing this down? This could change your prayer life. Worship. Submission. Dependence. God, I need you. I understand, God, that's going to... Listen, 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 listen. God, if I'm going to eat tomorrow, it's going to be you. If I'm going to pay the gas bill next month, it's got to be you. If I'm going to be able to go up, get go to work tomorrow morning, it's going to be you. If I'm going to be an effective parent, it's got to be you. If I'm going to be a courageous husband or wife, it's got to be you. It's a dependence. God, we need you. Would you say that, please? God, we need you, and you do. I don't care how much money you've got in the bank. I don't care how many titles you have after your name. I don't care how long it's been since you've had a cloudy day in your life. You need God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in the name of Jesus Christ, He holds all things together. If He removes His hands from your life, it falls apart like grains of sand through an hourglass. We need God. Give us that bread, Lord. Because if you don't give us the bread, we're going to go hungry. Dependence. And then it seems like he gives us a little housekeeping chores. Housekeeping chores. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, Lord, there's some housekeeping I need to do. Lord, you've forgiven me, and I've got a friend of mine. Well, kind of an ex-friend, to be honest with you, God. That I need to forgive. And as you've forgiven me, God, will you help me forgive them? 
part of our prayer time needs to be some house cleaning. We just need to tell God that we might have some areas in our life that we need help with. Can I have an amen? And I know what? We do. We do. As, I, as your pastor and Brother Brent and others have tried to teach this book to you, if you're going to apply this word, you're going to need some help. Come on. You're going to need some help. And if you don't apply the word, you're going to need triple help. Because your life is going to be a series of cleanup on aisle threes, and you calling out to God saying, God, I made a mess. Would you come fix it? And believe me, God wants a better relationship than being your cleanup man or your custodian. He wants to be your father. He wants to be your father. And then, he says in verse 13, we need a little guidance. And lead us not, bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Hey, God, I need a little direction in my life. You young people out there, you know, T, you're about to graduate, right, Travis? You're about to get out of here. What are you going to do with life? I know what the world says. The world says, get some kind of a degree so you make lots of money and buy lots of toys. And I know a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of degrees, a lot of toys, and they are miserable. So things are not the pursuit of happiness. It's not the end result of happiness. And I'm telling you guys, young people, I'm telling you many age adults, and I'm telling you us older folks. Did I just say us older folks? Oh, man. Well, I got Paul's here. I'm going to chase a rabbit. Jimmy... Astrite just celebrated his 25th birthday. The bad news is, that means he was 14 when I came. Now, you want to feel old, just do the math. Just do the math. Everything we are is God. When we're guiding the church over an 11-year period, where you're getting your degree, whatever you're doing, God, we need a little guidance. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in our way. And if we stumble and fall down, we shall not be utterly cast down, because He upholds us with a strong hand. A little bit of guidance, Lord. We could use a little GPS action here. And then we have a doxology. Just a kind of a praise at the end. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Cool, huh? Kind of simplifies it, doesn't it? Come on, doesn't it? A little worship, a little submission, a little dependence, a little guidance. Pretty simple, Jesus says. Just like so much of this Christian stuff, we make it way too hard. Way too hard. But then he says something in verse 14. It's kind of a 14, 15 that you kind of need to take note of. For if you forgive people their wrongdoings, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive your wrongdoings. I think that little tagline, that little P.S. on the letter, kind of says this. Whenever you pray, be authentic. Be sincere. When you come to the Father, all He wants is you to be real with Him. God the Father has incredibly broad shoulders. He can handle it. So He said, whenever you give, do it in secret. Whenever you pray, do it in secret. And then we come to this one. Here we go. Whenever you fast. It's so funny, i got to tell you. 
Now, I read these commentaries, you know. I assume you read commentaries too when you preach. And one of the commentaries, and I, I kind of already had the thought, but I read the commentary. Notice that Jesus did not say, if you give, you are to give. And I said, amen, that's right. And then I got to this fasting one. It doesn't say, if you fast. It says, when you fast. Now, I want you all to know, you have a, a fasting pastor. It usually occurs between 8 and 12. About 12.30 and 4.30. And then about 30 minutes before I go to bed. And when I'm asleep. We as Baptists have kind of dismissed this idea of fasting. And I will tell you, now listen up, this may be something new to you guys. Fasting is not commanded in the New Testament. But apparently, and I, I would come to this conclusion, I think you would too, since Jesus did not say if you fast, but he says when you fast, that he assumed that his followers would fast. So what is fasting? Fasting, I guess, would be best described as depriving yourself of something for the purpose of focusing on God. Fasting is doing without something for the purpose of focusing on God. Now, the most common fast is that of food. You can fast for a meal. You can fast for two meals. You can fast for a day. You can fast from meats. You can fast from... um, all food besides juices, there's various ways to fast. You can fast from television. You can say, okay, God, for this week, I'm not going to watch any television. Okay, you could do that. There are various ways that you can fast, but the point being is the fast, you use the time that you would be spending either eating or watching television or whatever to devote yourself to God. And I suppose, and again, I'm going to have to try this since I preach this, Okay, is that when the hunger comes, that signals you to focus on God. It'll be your body's way of saying, remember why you're doing this. Okay, so just chew on that. I know it's not something we commonly teach uh, in in circles. There's some great books out there on fasting. But Jesus seemed to imply that if you're my follower, when you fast, how should we fast? Don't be sad-faced like the hypocrites. For they make their faces unattractive, so their fasting is obvious to people. I assure you, they've got their reward. So, I mean, this is so easy to portray. They would walk around and their face would be distorted. They would just make these, I don't know how you make a hunger face. These faces that they would make. And then, what are you doing? I'm... I'm fasting for God. Oh, how incredibly spiritual of you. Just clap away. They made sure people knew that they were suffering for Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm telling you, if you do it that way, you got your reward. He says, rather, when you fast, put oil on your face. Wash your face so that you don't, don't show your fasting to people, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He says when you do the fasting thing, no one should know. No one should know. And when you do that, then God rewards. Now keep in mind these three areas of giving and prayer and fasting were three very strong tenets of the Jewish faith. That's why he chose these three. 
And the scribes and Pharisees, the religious guys, would use these to call attention to themselves. I go to church three times a week. I give 12% of my income to the church. Oh, yeah, just last week I saw a hungry man and I gave him $5 to buy breakfast. Those things can be said innocently, I suppose. But because I know me too well, and maybe I know us too well, often it's for the applause of man. And God said, that's cool. But just know this, that when you do that, that's your reward. And when you get to heaven, it may be a skimpy payday. It's so important we do it Jesus' way. So the bottom line is this. Ever heard the old saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Ever heard that before? Have y'all heard that before? Raise your hand if you heard that before. Oh, okay, okay. I can read y'all guys. I know. Because, dude, where'd you get that from? The moon? Okay? No, 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 no. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm just telling you this. How many of y'all believe there's a reward in heaven? Okay, great. Awesome. And you're correct. I'm just telling you this. That if you want that reward in heaven, you've got to forego this. You've got to be willing to lay this aside. Now, I could, I could give you a list of now buts. There's nothing wrong with saying, Pastor, you did a great job presenting the Word of God today. Thank you. I hope I won't go, okay, sometimes I do. I'm not saying don't, don't let people know they did a good job. It's about me. If my motivation for preaching is so you pat me on the back and say you're an incredible speaker, Dwayne, I better enjoy that because that's all there is. If you give to, to the different funds of the church and the purpose of your giving is so people know what you give, you better enjoy that because that's all there is. If you come to church and serve God and see that as a fast from Sunday morning sleep, if you will, and you do it so people go, I can't believe these people. They are here every time the doors are open. You better enjoy that because there's nothing else coming. But Jesus says, there's an eternal reward that you can have. But you can't have it both. There is wrong righteousness and there's right righteousness. Wrong righteousness is for the praise of man. Right righteousness is for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads, please? I bet if I was a betting preacher today, that's something that way presented... You may have never heard. Never heard. The idea, the concept. Oh, you've heard Jesus teaching on prayer. You probably heard the sermon about your left hand, your right hand. But have you ever thought about rewards? Have you ever thought the importance of what Jesus said when he said, keep it in secret? Have you ever heard before that if you get the applause here, there's no reward there? Now, I'm telling you. Heaven is going to be one incredible place. And there will be a time of rewards. The Apostle Paul said, there's a crown of righteous laid up. He knew about rewards. But when Jesus said, be careful. You know why he said that? He knows the tendency of people. The tendency of people to do it for the wrong motivation. And Satan will help you. Satan will help you. 
He'll come to you and say, no one applauded you. No one recognized you. You've been teaching that Sunday school class for eight zillion years, and they never gave you anything. Be careful of the evil one. Now, we started this message out today talking about the cross, and that's where I want to end. All that we talked about today, this new way of thinking in life, is possible. And I think it's a positive thing. It's possible because of the cross. I can't get to heaven because of a giant scale. I don't care how often I fast and how much I gave and how much I prayed. I could never tip the scale in my favor. It's all because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And if you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ, we want to give you that opportunity today. It's a commitment to the man Jesus Christ and to follow Him the rest of your lives. Brother Brent will be standing down front. He's a good friend of mine. I know Brent. He has a passion for people. And if he can help you in any way, he will. Just come out and say, I want to know the author of these incredible teachings that the pastor talked about. A man who would say, it's more important your heart in prayer than the words you say. That's different. That's new. And Brent has some friends who will share with you how to know Jesus. And I suppose if I was going to summarize the rest of this, for all of us who know Jesus Christ, it would be the words, the first two words of Jesus. Be careful. Be careful. Because Satan wants us to take glory from God. And we have to be careful that we don't do that. Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing today. Thank you for your incredible word, Jesus. I, I just wish we could have been there on the hillside as you shared these truths. The people who barely knew you. And you are calling them and challenging them to a new way of thinking. And Father, I feel the same way as I presented this scripture. That we are being challenged today to a new way of thinking. That is not about us. It's all about you. May we be the vanishing deductible. May we be the believer who fades into the back so you may shine and be glorified. As the moon reflects the light of the sun, may we reflect your glory. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.